Well, hi, everybody. My name is Billy Phoenix, and it's great to be back on the Lead Pastor Podcast. Today, we're continuing the conversation that we've been having around multi-site ministry. If you've been listening to this series, you know by now that our first couple of episodes, Lane Jones talked us through some of the thoughts and the strategy around creating multi-site church. And since that point, we've um, been reaching out to some of the pastors in the North Point Network to hear some real-life stories of how their churches have walked the road from being a church in a singular location to eventually becoming a church of multiple locations. And so today we're excited to have with us Kent Jacobs from Epic Church, and he's up uh, in and around Philadelphia. And so we're excited to spend some time talking to him today. Kent, thanks for uh, joining us today on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great. Well, hey, uh, Kent, starting out, uh, give us uh, a, a quick snapshot of you and your road into ministry and how you found your way to Epic Church before we learn a little bit about what's going on with Epic. Yeah, uh, so I've been in ministry since I was 18 years old, and um, I, I became a follower of Jesus when I was 12. And um, I mean, Jesus just so changed my life. I wanted everybody I knew to have the same kind of relationship with God and connection to God that I felt like I had the opportunity to have. So uh, all these years, that's that's driven me. So early on, I got to jump kind of kind of straight into ministry and. Um, I was on staff at a church for seven and a half years as a youth and worship pastor, wore a bunch of different hats. Um, and then it was after that that we went and launched the church uh, in the city. Have you typically been up up that way, up around Philadelphia your whole life? Where have you been? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm an army brat, so kind of all over the place. But uh, for the last 17 years or so, uh, I've actually been in and around Philadelphia. The church I was on staff at was out in the suburbs, and then we started the church in the city. Okay, good. Well, that's a great segue. Tell us a little bit more about Epic Church. And, you know, again, give us a quick overview of when Epic started and also to now walk us through to how many locations, uh, multi-site you guys are. And tell us a little bit more about the demographic, who you guys are reaching. Yeah, so we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. And uh, so end of 2008 is when we first we first started. Um, we started in a movie theater, actually. And um, I'll be honest, I, I really miss those days. I miss the popcorn smell and yeah. the big screen and all that stuff. Um, uh, from those days, uh, we went multi-site uh, pretty early on because it was a small movie theater. And we ran out of space and started the second location. Uh, now we have four locations around the city. Uh, we're starting our fifth location out in the suburbs. It's our first location in the Burbs uh, in September. And uh, the demographics of the church, uh, we reach a lot of young professionals. Uh, early on, when we first started, the, the average age of the church was about 27. It's been interesting as I've gotten older to watch that number creep up <laughs> as I've gotten older as well. Uh, now it's about 33. Um, but a lot of young professionals, a lot of young adults, what's, what's neat, I think, about the church in the city is that in a lot of ways, it's a reflection of the city in that um, if you walk into any of our locations, uh, you'll see just a um, just a lot of different races. You'll see uh, a lot of diversity as far as social social economic status. Um, just a lot of different people in the same space, and I think it's really beautiful because it's like only the church, only the church is a place where that kind of a thing. Uh, happens. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. And it seems like that's such a product of the story of being a church that's reaching all parts of your city as well. So um, four locations right now, correct? And then you're mobilizing for a fifth, right? We are. We are getting ready. And and that's, will that be, if I remember correctly, that'll be out in the suburbs. So that's going to be a little bit of a change for you guys, right? It is. It is. So we're, what we're familiar with is city living and city people and um, putting something out of the burbs is a, is a big shift. I think part of the thinking there 
has been uh, as one thing that happens is when as people get older, uh, they get married, they have kids. There is some moving out to the suburbs, and um, you know, we've wanted to put a location that's accessible out that way too. So uh, that's been part of it. There's another another real big reason for that is you know you spend a third of your life at work. And you work shoulder to shoulder with these people who commute into the city and they're not able to invite their friends that they work with because they live out in the burbs. They're not coming back into the city on the weekend. Uh, so putting a location out there makes it accessible for those people yeah. as well. That sounds really strategic. So um, let me, I want to come back to uh, locations in a minute because there's something that's very unique about your organization that um, separates you guys in some ways from some other people. But before we do that, I would love to talk to you about campus expansion. Obviously, you've expanded campuses. You've gone through this process before. You're in it. You seem to be in it right now as you consider doing this fifth campus. But how does your church decide that another campus needs to be opened? Is that more about you're filling up churches? Is it more about opportunity? Is it more about, you know, leadership and facility? What's the decision matrix for you? Yeah, so it's, it's morphed over time. Uh, it started initially as, um, as hey, a space issue. Uh, we were in the movie theater, and we're using all the auditoriums that were in there. Um, and then we told the church, we said, hey, we're always going to create space for those who aren't here yet. And um, so we had, like our second year, we had what we called the big move, which was 12 feet across the hall to a bigger auditorium. And, um, and then we started using both of those auditoriums. We ran out of space at that location and said, okay, um, where are people coming from that are attending this location now that don't live right around in this area? Um, and that's how we determine where the next location is going to be. So that's initially, that's how, how we would make a decision about when to start a location once things started filling up to a certain capacity. After that, um, we started looking at opportunity in the city. So um, we started saying, okay, these are pockets or neighborhoods in the city that I think we could do really well in uh, as far as reaching people and reaching our specific demographic. And so we started considering that as well. One of the challenges has been um, to make sure that we're starting complementary locations versus competing locations. And in the city, it's very different than in the suburbs. In the city, you know, 15 minutes, you know, is that could be complementary, legitimately, just 15 minutes away. Um, or it could be competing. It all depends on the area of the city. And so I think that's been a learning along the way, too, is to make sure that what we're starting is something that's going to complement the overall and not compete with another location. Yeah, and I imagine after 10 years, you have certain people in your sitting on a campus that come to you and said, hey, we're, we're still driving a good ways in. Can you come out our way? So you probably have more than a couple of people that are pitching you to open up one closer to their house these days. Absolutely. No, that's definitely happened. Yeah. Um, so walk us through some of the steps that you take to get ready to open a new campus. Once you've identified, hey, wow, here's a location, here's an opportunity, what is that process for you? Is it about core team? Obviously, there's a facility piece of that, and then there's probably some sort of promotion and announcement. What, just roughly give us some of the steps you do to get ready. Yeah, uh, the first thing we do is try to identify a, a location. So once we've picked an area of the city, then, you know, in the city, the challenge is parking lot. If you can find a parking lot and an auditorium of any kind, you're like, okay, I think this could work just based on the parking lot. Um, and even though people, a lot of people don't have cars and Uber and all that kind of stuff now, and that's changing a little bit, it, it's still an issue. There still needs to be some type of parking. So, um, so the first thing we're doing is trying to find a location that has some type of parking solution, even if it's not a lot some type of parking solution. Um, beyond that, then it's about building the team. So um, because we're all in, in close proximity as far as locations, we pull from all the other locations to go and start the next one. 
So we'll talk to the whole church about it and say, hey, this is what's coming up. Who wants to be uh, a part of getting that off the ground? And we'll have some startup parties and uh, put some effort in building that core team. Uh, once we've got that team together uh, and we've, we've identified who's going to lead the location, usually that's somebody that we've had in a director role at another, another campus first um, who can kind of learn the ropes. And then um, we'll send them off to start. Um, or we've actually got uh, one of our st- uh, location pastors on staff who kind of goes with each new start and gets things off the ground, works with that person to get, get things going. Um, so once we identify that, we get that, get that moving in a direction. And then as far as marketing and um, promoting the location, we're really pushing through our people to invite, you know, people who live in that area to invite their friends and neighbors to come out to this thing. And then also we'll do some, we still do some, some snail mail marketing, some postcards that works in this area still. Um, and so we'll, we'll leverage that as an opportunity with some digital marketing online as well. Yeah, that's amazing. It's funny how these days, how snail mail has actually become more unique than getting an email that you didn't used to always be that way. You know, back in the day, it was, you know, every, you got all a bunch of junk mail. Now when somebody actually gets a physical letter, they actually, it actually might be more effective than an email. It's funny how that stands out a little more than, you know, the constant barrage of digital. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, hey, as, as the expansion has gone along, this is what I was referring to that's really unique about yours. Every one of your locations is in a temporary facility these days. Um, my question for you is that, has that been strategic? Has that been out of necessity? Because again, you're working, have been traditionally working in an inner city context where owning and then actually if you can find a facility that you could buy there's much more land that's needed around parking and those kind of things as you say so has this been a strategy piece and is that something that may change or are you guys just sold on temporary facilities yeah it's absolutely strategic um in you know in the early days um there's only so much money and there's only so much people so many number of people to get things going that's what it takes to make everything everything happen and so we knew that hey buying buying a church or not even buying a church but buying a building uh, with a big enough parking lot probably wasn't in the cards um and so early on we were like you know what we're we're just gonna stay portable and we know that philadelphia is a city of neighborhoods Uh, people kind of stay in their neighborhood if they can and so instead of asking people to come to the one church in our city, we decided to take church to people. And, um, and so, so early on, that was part of the strategy is, hey, we can go further faster if we commit to being portable and looking for opportunities around the city, um, as opposed to just saying, hey, just come to this one, this one building. So it's definitely part of our strategy. What's, what's shifted now um, is that I think that the future for us is definitely a mixture of portable and um, permanent facilities. Uh, we were just given a building, uh, actually given a church. The auditorium was built in 1876, mm-hmm. if you can believe that. Um, so, you know, we're figuring out how can we leverage that. We'll probably leverage that for our offices. It'll be a central location that that uh, serves all of our campuses around the city uh, as far as equipment and all that kind of stuff that goes back and forth between central and, and the campus. Um, and, you know, going forward with whatever it is that makes sense that it's going to allow us to, to keep moving forward. Being completely portable has its challenges for sure, but it has allowed us to go further faster. And instead of just sitting back and saying, oh, we're out of room, um, we, had to, we had to address that, that issue. Yeah, and my guess is you guys have gotten uh, very efficient and very skilled at being able to set up and tear down. Is there any best advice around when, when somebody's considering 
creating a setup teardown system. What is what have you guys found along the way that's been helpful? Yeah, you know, building the team is important. Uh, high morale and energy uh, on that team is important. So uh, I heard someone tell me one time, you know, it's important that you feed the ponies, you know, because they're the, they're the ones that get the get the mail where it's going. So you know, we put a lot of energy around serving the team and creating a good serving experience. Um, for us, I think one thing that's been interesting is, you know, um, we, we haven't been one of those churches that is, hey, we're portable right now, but one day it's going to be permanent. And, you know, we just got to push hard right now. And then, no, permanent hasn't been an option. We don't talk about it like, you know, that's it's ever going to change. In our mind, this is all that there is, but it's worth it because the mission is worth it. So we tell lots of stories about life change, lots of stories about what God is doing. And uh, we all stack hands together and say, hey, you know, this, yeah, okay, it's not easy, but nothing worthwhile is easy. And, um, and we're, it's great that we get this opportunity to do this in our city. So let's go get it. Great. Let me ask you about programming. Um, what does a Sunday morning look like from campus to campus? If I walk in and out a couple of your currently four campuses, is mostly synchronized? Is there some individuality between campuses? And if there is, how does that, how does that variation happen? Yeah, so um, it, it's the same experience across the board. Um, that's what we're striving for. We can't have the exact same look and feel at every location because it, each location is different. We're in three schools, um, all of which are very different from each other, and one performing arts center, which is very different than the schools for sure. Um, and so that that feels different, but uh, the experience that happens in the auditorium and the experience that happens in the kids' room is the same across the board. Um, we each location has two services. Um, the broadcast location actually has an earlier service than all the others, and we uh, record that service, um, upload that, uh, all the locations download it, and they actually play that along with the ten with the what is our second service stream. And if anything were to happen, if it were to drop, they can actually just switch over to the backup, which is running kind of in sync with um, with that first one. So. So that's, that's the plan for that. But same message, uh, they're singing the same songs across the different locations. They might change a key or something like that, depending on, on who's leading. But uh, same videos. The, um, the only thing that's really different on, on the locations are the host times and uh, any of those type of before the message type things that take place uh, that involves a location pastor. Yeah. And uh, would you say that you're synced up video-wise all, all year long, or is there times where local pastors or the local messages happen at all? Yeah, we're, we, we've got a teaching team, and so we're synced up um, every single Sunday. So okay. whatever's happening at broadcast is happening everywhere. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, are there are there differences in the palette of programming? So not Sunday morning programming, what happens in kids' ministries or student ministries or, or, or in, in the auditorium or in the sanctuary on Sunday, but in terms of the, the offerings of a, you have a smaller campus that maybe can't do something that a, a, a larger church can or in terms of reaching the city, in terms of being able to create offerings that happen during the week, is, are those, is that palette of programming the same? Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of autonomy given to the location pastor to be able to make some calls as to what's going to best serve his location. So whether that be, you know, hey, we want to do something specifically for um, homeless in this area, or we want to serve this school in a certain kind of way. There's those types of things. Um, 
but for the most part, things are, things are the same across the board. There might be some special initiatives that a location pastor might want to push at his campus, but for the most part, it's pretty much the same. And, and that, that's the advantage, I think. We're all pretty close. We're all in, all four locations are in Philadelphia. And uh, so they office together, they work together. There's a ton of collaboration going on all the time. And uh, I actually think that's a benefit. Yeah, so that's a great question. So back me up and tell me about how many staff are within the Epic world there. Yeah, so we've got uh, about 16 full-time staff and um, each location. So our, our locations only have one full-time staff member, and that's the location pastor. They have eight volunteer staff that we treat just like they're paid staff, um, but they either don't get paid at all or they get paid a small stipend. Um, and that's how we're able to, to, to be multi-site at this size. Um, we've got to be lean and, and at the, the upside of that is, you know, our, our location staff, even though it's, it's a one location pastor who's paid and everybody else who's either stipend or doesn't get paid at all, there's a certain amount of ownership. I mean, they are leading a church and they feel that way. Um, it's just like plant. It's just like church planting. You have that type of buy-in. Hey, we do this together. Let's go get it. It's not a paycheck. It's we're there because of passion and and um, and commitment to the mission. Yeah, and so that would mean that your central staff. You know, again, some churches have central staff. There's a with a, a team that small. You've got uh, one central group that's working t- together in a pretty s- synchronized way. And uh, your location pastors are going out and really mobilizing sets of volunteers. They are. Absolutely. And, you know, they, they lead the team that leads the church. That's their role. Lead the team that leads the church. And that team, they're, they're all high-capacity volunteers that are, that are all in. And um, it, it, one thing that's, that's interesting related to that has been a shift that we made a few years ago. Um, our central staff, you know, we were the, a lot of us were the core team that started the very first location. And, um, as that has shifted and now it's multi-site, we're working from a central perspective and we had this perspective that, you know, Oh, we're the central team and we create, you know, the content of what's going to happen on a Sunday morning and we're helping these people, uh, lead their churches, um, which isn't the right, wasn't the right perspective for us. Um, what we lost there was the real sense of ownership of no, we're leading a church, the location staff feeling that way. So when we shifted from, no, our central responsibility is to come alongside the team of people that are leading that church and be a support to them, uh, that made a really big difference in ownership across the board. Yep, that's great. What are you looking for in a, uh, a lead for each of these campuses? What, what are you looking for in a, in a lead pastor? Yeah, so our, um, our location pastors are, um, they, don't, they don't have to teach unless they're on the teaching team. So that's not, that's not a requirement. Um, if they have a desire to do so and they have the gifting, they certainly have the opportunity to be on that team. Uh, but really, we're looking for people who can lead and mobilize teams and um, are, are going to be able to provide spiritual shepherding and leadership to that campus. Um, and, and not just <laughs> early on, it was uh, the phrase that was out there was, you're just a face with the place. I don't know if you remember that or not, but that was the thing. You're, you're a face with the place, but it wasn't long before we figured out, oh no, this person has to be a big L leader uh, because there's a lot of moving parts. And uh, so that's, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for someone who can, who can lead well. Yeah. Talk to me really quickly about uh, how you guys handle finances and budgets. Is it one central account? Are there sub accounts for each one of these locations? And are the, is there a certain accountability or a certain uh, um, 
set budget for each one of these locations that they need to be raising and spending at a certain level? Yeah, so it's it's all one big pot. And, you know, each each year at a certain time of the year, they have an opportunity to revisit um, what their budget's going to be for the year um, and put in anything that they think they're going to need, uh, make a request for that. But that all goes through our central staff team and um, is either approved or or uh, or not approved. Um, but the location pastor has a lot of say as to um, and and a lot of um, um, a lot of power to say, hey, here's what we need. And we're going to. Uh, from our central perspective, we do everything we can to help resource him so he can be successful. Um, and so it's all one big pot, but that all goes through our central, our central, uh, our central finance person. Um, and then from there, like if there's overages on a, at a location, you know, if they come in and the surplus from their budget, that's going to go to help serve all the other locations and be put aside to help with the next launch. So we start and build each location together as a group of churches. Yeah, that's great. Um, last question. I want to talk to you a little bit about just the, how do you keep the mission and the vision and the culture consistent uh, um, across your locations. And there's a obviously you have the opportunity to do that through, you know, they they see your face on a lot of Sundays as as a as a teaching pastor there. Um, and so the question probably isn't so much for how do you get to your location pastors because they're all sitting in the same room with you. That's pretty easy. But even how does your uh, influence of mission and vision. Does it all go through them or do you ever have a chance to speak to volunteer bases and the, even that volunteer staff that happens out on those campuses? So are there ways that they're hearing you cast vision? Oh, absolutely. So um, what we'll do is uh, we, every eight weeks or so we have an all staff meeting. So that includes uh, our central staff and our location staff for each location. Um, we'll all come together and that's, that's my meeting with those teams. And so that's where I'm casting vision and reminding everybody what we're all about, um, and what we're doing this for. Uh, also, in addition to that, um, they are meeting with their location pastor and, and, you know, I have opportunities to meet with them, uh, separately. And so they're, um, parroting a lot of the same language. Uh, they meet once a month with their team. Uh, we have, you know, once a year we have a, a volunteer conference and we pull in everybody who serves on our teams to come and, and for a whole day, it's like a little leadership conference basically. Um, so for a whole day, we'll, uh, we'll bring content and, and cast vision and try to add value as much as we can to, uh, to all the leaders in our church. Um, and so and it, uh, that aside from the, the regular, hey, they're going to hear my voice on video um, on Sunday mornings, all those things work together to help kind of keep us all on the same page. That's great. Uh, last question is what, um, what surprised you along this journey? You know, for somebody that's listening today, maybe they're considering about going multi-campus and have an image in their head about the way it's going to go. What, what surprised you about this journey for you guys and Epic Church? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know why. I, I don't know why I'm surprised by this, but um, really, you know, there's, there's definitely been moments along the way where you kind of look up and I'm like, what are we doing? This, this is not easy. Um, this is a challenge or how is this thing going to work out? And, you know, God's just consistent faithfulness along the way. Um, really, really has been somewhat surprising. I don't think anybody would have, uh, necessarily pulled together the cast of characters that, that we have running around here these days. Um, and thought that, you know, anything, all that, um, significant would come from it. But, um, you know, it's, it's his church. God's church and he's at work and we get to partner with him and what he's doing. So 
that's that really has been a surprise. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the future. So yeah, um, yeah, it's a neat thing. Well, we're so grateful. Thanks for for the influence you have in the in the North Point Partner Network, and thanks on behalf of you know a bunch of people up in the Philadelphia area that are that are feeling the impact of, of you creating a great and your team creating a great uh, church up there. So thanks for doing what you're doing, and we're excited to see what God's got got for Epic Church in the future. So if you're listening, you'd love to know more. Uh, about Kent and about uh, Epic Church, you can look them up online at epic.church. And so that's where you can find their website. You can see all about that and find their social media through there as well. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks for uh, always being ready to learn and for being a part of today's Lead Pastor podcast. If you're a partner in the North Point Network, be sure to check out the conversation to go with today's podcast. You can find that at northpointpartners.org. If you're not a partner, but would love more information, click on the Explore Partnership link in the show notes to learn more about how the North Point Partner Network can help your church go further, faster.